Welcome to the Geelong Chamber of Commerce's podcast, Thriving Geelong, People with Purpose, where we will give you exclusive access to business leaders who are rethinking the way we do things and redefining our city's exciting future. During each episode, we'll inspire your own journey as we uncover the values that support our guests' decision-making and what drives them to be the best they can be. The Thriving Geelong People with Purpose podcast comes to you from the Geelong Chamber of Commerce and is hosted by Chamber CEO Ben Flynn. Hi, I'm Ben Flynn from the Chamber of Commerce and today I'm really lucky to have joining me for our podcast, Thriving Geelong, Justin Giddings, the CEO of Avalon Airport. How are you, Justin? Yeah, good, Ben. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Did you have a good weekend? I did, actually. I went to the UFC, so uh, that's something I haven't done before, and not sure I'll do it again either, but uh, it was great. It was really entertaining, and uh, yeah, up, up for my two boys, so very interesting. And how many people are actually involved in the fighting? Uh, well, there was 50,000 there, I think, and there was about 10 fights, and I've never really watched it before, but my boys wanted to go, and uh, it was fantastic. It was the entertainment plus... Um, Brutal. I mean, you know, there's no way I'd ever, ever get in the ring, but it was just really, really good entertaining fun. And is that a nice segue into discussing uh, the trials and tribulations of working in airports in Australia? Uh, probably more mentally tougher than physical tougher, I must say. Very good, very good. So, um, so we are talking about uh, or giving our members great access to people that are contributing to our thriving city. Avalon's a really big part of our strategy moving forward if you look at whether it's five or 10 or 30 years. But firstly, do you, like I, uh, when, you, when you speak to people, find that Geelong is thriving? We're in a good space? Look, absolutely. So um, where Geelong's come from over the last few years is really interesting. Um, I look back to uh, probably only four or five years ago and we had you know, Shell maybe going to close, was trying to sell, we weren't sure. We had Ford, Alcoa, Qantas leave, um, the announcements around Target as well. Um, and it made things really depressing in Geelong. And, um, and we really noticed it here. In fact, um, Avalon's very much a confidence-driven business. You know, people know they've got money and want to fly away and go somewhere, then they'll do it. So, But if they feel so a little bit depressed or a bit concerned about their future, they won't fly. And we, it really hit us. But I often say the closure of Ford was a little bit like a terminal cancer patient. You know, when, they, when you find out somebody has got cancer, it's very sad. You give them treatments, you try and help them. Then you find out that, you know, obviously they're going to palliative care, then they pass away. Uh, then you go to the funeral, then you go have a wake and you go and have a few beers and then you move on with life, you know. And I think a little bit with Ford, that closure was really, really sad. It stressed out a lot of people. But since that time, I just think Geelong's gone really well. And on the back of some really good investments by government, you know, bringing some businesses down. But, you know, you see the cranes now in the sky. You see what we're doing here at Avalon. It's just all in the back of that refound confidence. And, uh, yeah, so I just think it's going really, really well, and it's a great place to be. And you find that there's a real spirit of collaboration occurring right across, whether it's advocacy groups or the city, and, you know, I'm sure it's pretty much fundamental to Avalon to collaborate effectively uh, within your market. Uh, is, is that something that's underpinning our success at the moment? I think it's getting better. Um, I think there's some way to go, but 
Um, Avalon's very fortunate that we've got support of everybody. You know, there's no one really who doesn't want us to see, succeed because we're good for everybody. We're good for people who want to work here. We're good for businesses that can access, say, even international now, but also around Australia. But it also brings people to the to the regions who buy stuff, you know, or, or stay places. So we're very fortunate that we see and get great support from every group. But there has been some divisiveness over time, and um, but I do think um, we're getting that better. Um, the politics can be pretty brutal in Geelong as well, but now that we've seen two elections go um, and we've got the mayoral election coming up, I just think once they're all behind us, I think things will settle down nicely. So we're a lot better than what we were. Um, there was, you know... Only recently, some a lot of debate amongst some of the groups and people saying there's too many. And but I think now we're getting to a stage where people are starting to work a lot, you know, well together. And so I think the strength when I go to Canberra and I'm talking to people about Geelong, they talk about the great advocacy that you do get from the city for sure. So I think we do an excellent job. We better, you know, we better above what our own weight or whatever, a bunch of us above our weight and um, we've got to keep working you know it's a tough place Geelong it's not like Melbourne um, that's what we say about Avalon it's a tough bit of dirt you know you just got to keep working keep working and uh, be patient and just don't give up very good I'll have plenty more questions on Avalon but I think the question on everyone's lips is um, first of all to say congratulations on winning business leader of the year at the Geelong Business Excellence Awards this year and the key question is, how's your life changed since winning the award? <laughs> um, look, it hasn't changed at all. Uh, look, it was a thrill, a real thrill. Um, I must admit, when I got the award and knowing that we were up for the medium to large business of the year, soon after, I was just nervous about that. So it was great. It was a great thrill. Um, but really, being able to win something as a team, as you know, Ben, you know, it's um, so much better. Um, just the joy on some of our staff's faces. Next day we had a barbecue, we had a celebration and, you know, it's really good. So that was that trumped it for sure. Um, but, yeah, of course, it's really a big thrill. You know, um, I saw Bill Mithin, you know, a good mate of mine and, um, you know, well, he used to be, he's a Richmond supporter, so we don't talk to him now. But, uh, no, he's, you know, he was in the awards as well, and Chris Smith and others. And they were just... Um, yeah, so it is a, a big thrill for sure, but certainly winning the you know, medium or the large business of the year was just outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. Now, you and I, you might not remember this, but you and I probably met five years ago for the first time. We were guests of Werribee Football Club, both as sponsors, and it was a North Melbourne and Western Bulldogs game at Etihad. And look, we only shook hands and said a quick hello, but I had the pleasure that night of sitting on the opposite side of the table to you with your year 11 dead partner that night. And she, uh, she was really complimentary of, um, of the way you danced way back then as a young lad. Does that spirit for dancing and that passion for dancing, is that carried through into adulthood? <laughs> I know where you're going with this. <laughs> Gee, I do remember that actually. That was Brooke. And I did three Debs back then, and um, but I was a lot younger and fitter. And um, yes, and recently, as you know, I did the Dancing with the Wyndham Stars or whatever it was called, a fundraiser for um, for mental health. And it was it was great. I um, Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I came last. Uh, My partner was outstanding. In fact, um, 
Um, she had she was a five time Australian champion and had never been beaten in that time. And they announced that on the night as they were introducing us. And I turned around to her and I said, you're stuffed now. And she said, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, look, I had a lot of fun. Um, I was hopeless. Um, and there were some outstanding dancers. My gosh, you know, some of those young kids were just, you know, you couldn't even spot which one was a professional dancer or not. But, um, yeah, it was a wonderful night. And the two instructors were really patient with me, good Carlton supporters. So, um, yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was fun, but I'm not going to do that again. Uh, br- bravo, I reckon. It's a credit to you. So I'll leave you alone with the dancing now. Um, do you mind giving our members a bit of an update of uh, what's going on at Avalon at the moment? Sure. So, um, look, we've had an incredible year. Um, everyone knows that. We've uh, Cotton On's just turned uh, one year old here. They've got 300 FTE, you know, full-time equivalent employees there, um, and it's just gone really well. You know, we don't, we don't really hear from them at all, and uh, I know they're very happy. So that's gone well. Um, on the 5th of December, so coming up, we'll have the anniversary of AirAsia, so it'll be a one year. Um, their passion numbers are going really well indeed as well. Um, I was on the plane the other day, um, coming back from Vietnam, I think, and um, I, I went on AirAsia and, you know, it was full coming in um, and I just really enjoy the service. I think I'm back overseas on Wednesday again and um, I'll be flying AirAsia again, so that's going really, really well. Uh, we also have, you know, almost record numbers of Jetstar passengers coming through as well and that's on the back of fewer flights than what we used to have at our peak, so the load factors are really high. Um, in fact, I would say that we are probably underserviced domestically, probably by at least 50%. Um, you know, I think that we would have, just the way that Geelong's going and the tourism we're getting to the region, we should be doing at least 14, even 15, 16 flights a day. And at the moment, we're only doing seven. So um, I really want to see that pick up. Um, we just had the Australian International Air Show in February's March as well. And um, for those who don't recall it was about 45 degrees every day um it was just dreadfully hot and um but other than that it was an outstanding air show it's probably the best air show we've ever had um and the next one in 2021 is the centenary of the australian air force so um we're already having meetings about how just big this is going to be and um i was with ian Henry who runs the air show uh on friday and um yeah he's pumped and uh it's going to be outstanding so It'll be a lot more people here, a lot more planes, a lot more air forces, and um, it'll be one, and maybe even longer public days, perhaps. So, um, really, really going well. Um, So, what's next? Well, the next is we have to do some things. We need to get more airlines. So, we're busily, you know, working away trying to get that. Uh, There was a big conference in Adelaide about two weeks ago, and... um, I was there, I had about five of us with us and we took over a lot of local produce, you know, cheeses and chocolates and um, crackers and, and, uh, and you know, we were able to showcase that over there. We met, like I said, about 20 airlines and um, probably three or four were quite interested in us. A few of them didn't even know, few didn't even know we existed as well. So it's all about getting the message out there. Um, again, like I said, I'll be overseas this week chasing airlines. It's just so important that we we build now and really start to consolidate what we've been able to do um i want to see a hotel here soon too so um you know we're probably on track to do about 1.3 1.4 million passengers per annum now 
And I've always thought that the trigger is about 1.2. So as long as we can be confident we can maintain that sort of number, which I am, but the the market needs to, um, then I think a hotel would be really well serviced here indeed. It'd be the only hotel on the freeway really between Melbourne and Geelong. So um, you just look at the, you know, strategically being able to access the Great Ocean Road from a closer um, port than Melbourne is, um, or site from Melbourne, it's, it'd be really, really good as well. So so I think that's my goals are more domestic airlines or, or growth, um, more definitely international airlines, which I'm very confident about, and and some better infrastructure on the ground. Mm-hmm. So just so I understand correctly, um, obviously the airports are a part of the facility here. You've mentioned Cotton On have a have um, some production as well. And in the past there's been freight. How does it all mix together now? Yep, so we do um, we do freight in two ways. So we do charter freight. So we've been doing freight for years and we have big 747s come down and they're full of freight. Um, and it's normally special use type stuff. So it'll be the Grand Prix. All the Grand Prix cars, all the, all the equipment comes through here in about um, four or five 747s and then they go out as well. So we unload them and all that. Um, so we do that really well and easily and, you know, been doing it for years. What AirAsia has been able to bring us though is the opportunity to do regular freight. So almost um, freight that you can actually ring up and book on a plane to go to Asia, for example. And so we've never done that before. We've only done charters, so... You know, if you wanted to ring up Ben and say, hey, I've got, you know, a tonne of potatoes I need to send overseas, for example, we wouldn't be able to do it because we only have the charter freight, whereas now we could do it. Um, and so that's going really well. And the growth we're getting on freight has been outstanding. So freight's really, really good. Cotton on generally ship on boats. You know, that's what they normally do. So we don't see much of that here as far as I'm aware. If it did happen, I'm just not aware of it. But I would imagine most of it's on boats. It's just a cheaper way of doing it. Um, but we do a little bit of stuff with Jetstar now. Jetstar started doing a little bit of freight uh, to Sydney. Um, so that's something we can pick up as well. So, But getting that freight... Um, down to Avalon has been a little bit tricky in the past, but it's actually going very well now. And the reason why it's tricky is um, people and passengers can drive their own way down here or they can get a bus or get dropped off, whereas with freight, you've got to pick it up and then deliver it, and that's all done in bulk ways. And if you've got Melbourne Airport and you've got us doing it, and we're the smaller one, um, you know, sometimes it's difficult to be able to you know, logistically do that. But we've been able to achieve it, and, um, yeah, very good. It's happening. going very well. Now, you've touched on some of your hopes for Avalon, but what would some of the big three wishes be? For example, would you like a rail link? Big three. Okay, so my first wish... Oh, you mean at Avalon? No, I'm joking. Um, No, my first... Well, rail, absolutely. So the thing... Look, we've got Skybus operating, and that's been outstanding, and that's more than adequate for what we're doing now, for sure. Um, the issue is is they're looking to put a rail into Tullamarine. And not only – I can tell you my views on that, but if they do – or already just because they've announced it, when I go to meet these airlines, I go, well, what's happening with the rail at Avalon? They're putting one at Tullamarine. And even though it's 10 years away, they're saying, well, why, we need a rail and why would we pull out of Tulla or why would we not consider Tulla the rail? So already it's having a detrimental effect just by the announcement itself. So we need to fix that and we need to write that. So getting a rail here would be really important for sure. So number one. Um, 
the rail won't always come into the airport necessarily. Um, I've often talked about maybe bringing the airport to the rail rather than the rail into the airport so we'd actually reconfigure how our terminals operate. Um, and we've got some really interesting concepts about that. Um, number two would be definitely more airlines. So that's very broad. But certainly, and I talked about it before, but getting another couple of airlines servicing, you know, Bali, New Zealand, even into the Middle East would be outstanding. Hawaii, Fiji, China. I really want to go, you know, get some flights to China. In fact, a lot of our passengers coming in on our domestic flights from Sydney in the morning in particular are Chinese. They're just, you know, there's heaps and they're going down the grocery road and doing whatever. So that would be, so flights and then, so rail, flights, and then I'd probably say the hotel. Terrific. And, and moving forward, are you bound by the amount of space you have here? Can you build more runways and grow? Oh, no. We're, um, we've got 1,700 hectares of land here. We've got heaps of land outside of our boundaries as well. Um, we've got no capacity, capacity constraints whatsoever. In fact, we're very fortunate that we don't make um, – we don't really annoy too many residents. There's one that um, she's always ringing up. But generally, um, you know, we fly over Little River but at pretty high heights. Uh, we don't go over Lara generally. We don't go over Geelong generally. Um, so we've got a bay at one end. We've got paddocks at the other. Um, so we, the capacity is really, really good here. And um, we are Melbourne's third runway. You know, Melbourne Airport kept on saying, well, we need a third runway. Well, Melbourne's got a third runway and it's all here. Um, it's got, you know, if you put a third row into Melbourne, all of a sudden you put new terminals in, then you upgrade the roads and then it puts all that stress on the infrastructure and noise around the area. Whereas, you know, we've got an airport here that's, you know, should be utilised first. So that's our message: is that use this. This is our. This is the third runway, and um, but you've got enormous, enormous capacity. We've got in our master plan the capacity to put a parallel runway in. Um, now you think about so two parallel, a parallel runway, two runways is the same as what they've got at Heathrow. You know, and they've got curfews and everything. So we've got probably potentially more capacity than Heathrow. So we got heaps. Wow. Would you say your point of difference at Avalon is the capacity to grow unhindered? I would say the point of difference is capacity to grow and our cost base. The amount of cost that has gone into building Tullamarine um, just means that it's a very, very expensive place. You know, I know recently there's been Alan Joyce came out and actually bagged a lot of the airports, didn't bag us, but he um, and he's talked about just how expensive they are, and that's what we've got to maintain here. We've got to ensure that we manage costs. We'd be fair to employees, so we don't go that side of it, but just from an infrastructure um, perspective, we're very careful about how we um, do things and what we do. Um, even the terminal, the way we built the terminals, looks really good in there, but you know we spent $35 million, I think it was, so um, we didn't spend a lot. And um, so we just got to maintain our costs and keep that capacity curfew-free um, and get that link to Melbourne in particular. Um, just making sure that we, yeah, because most passengers come in here, they want to get to t- Melbourne, and um, we want to make sure that that's as easy as possible. And then building up really on the Geelong side, you know, we're very fortunate that the Geelong growth and Wyndham as well, but Geelong in particular is just growing so much and it really is creating a lot of demand for us. So we're very fortunate. So our chamber members and any businesses, I suppose, uh, throughout Geelong and down the surf coast, they've got a really big role to play in encouraging your 
passengers to, to go west, I suppose. Um, and that'll be a big part of the growth story, do you think, for Avalon? Absolutely. So, you know, we unashamedly, in, in, in fact, in our um, air show in the marquee, we actually said, you know, turn left, go to Geelong, turn right, go to Melbourne. You know, we're in the middle of it. And um, so, but they do a good job. We're very fortunate in Geelong that we've probably got the best um, regional tourism board, you know, in the Geelong Ballerine Tourism. And then you've got Surf Coast as well. But the Geelong Ballerine Tourism, you know, they are the best. I'm on the Minister Advisory Committee for Tourism. And, um, you know, everyone's envious of it. So they're doing a really, really good job. You know, they've got Brett Inch taking over, so, uh, you know, it'll go strength to strength as well, but Roger did a magnificent job. I would say just I don't think there's too much more they really should be doing. I'm not critical of it at all. Um, one thing I do find is that there's a lot of different groups out there. So you've got Ballarat Tourism, you've got... Uh, Warnable tourism, you've got Wyndham tourism, and uh, sometimes it gets a bit much to be working with all those different groups. But you know, just the chocolatier and and some of the great restaurants we have here, and um, it sort of does naturally generate um, people wanting to come here for sure. I mean, the amount of Chinese in town now and down the Grocery Road is huge, and a lot of that's just coming through here. Um, I'd, I only would say the probably thing we're lacking is hotels. Um, hotel accommodation, yeah, especially the standard that China is really expecting. Um, that would be a really big kicker. Um, but there's also a shortage of hotels in Melbourne, right? And so that's the conundrum. But yeah, but I, I just think the amount of people coming in and turning left is growing. Uh, but also the amount of people coming from Geelong flying out is growing as well. Is the Chinese opportunity something we should really take notice of? And, and I suppose in hospitality, retail, um, people can learn a little bit of Chinese to make their stay and make them feel more welcome? Yeah, perhaps. It's not necessarily, I think, the language, but it's also just using some of their mechanisms like WeChat and 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 being able to communicate to them. I mean, they get off the plane and they really don't know where to go or what to do. Um, we've got the old tourism group here and um, through the John Bellerin Tourism, and they've got all the bilingual, you know, Mandarin-type signs and, and information. But um, I would say the key is to work with the tour groups. Um, you know, there's examples, and I, I know I won't give the names of the companies, but they do deals with tour groups where they actually incentivize them to bring people through. And it works really, really well, you know. And uh, you look at well, like the Creswick Mills, for example, in Melbourne, what they do and up at Creswick as well, you know, just really having great successes. And a lot of that's on the back of WeChat and just smart um, networking, you know. So putting ads on radio for the Chinese, for example, doesn't work. I would say just been a little bit strategic about it. I, I tell you, my Chinese experience, I've been over China many times. In fact, I was over there about a month ago. And I've been chasing Chinese airlines, you know, everyone, and really had no success. And in the end, I just thought, well, I've got to change my tactic. It's not working. So I went to the travel agents and I went and they wondered who the hell I was, you know. And I walked in and I said, look, this is where Avalon is. This is why you should be getting your people to fly, not internationally, but domestically. Because more Chinese fly to Sydney than they do Melbourne. But a lot of them want to come down to Melbourne as well. So I'm, I'm saying to them, why don't you encourage them to use Jetstar flights to go from Sydney to Avalon, 
go down to Gratia Road, whatever you want, then go to Melbourne and then fly home. And they do. And it just happened overnight. It was just awareness. Um, and Jess Remy said, oh, there's all these Chinese coming through. And I said, well, I did that. And they didn't believe me. But, <laughs> but it's true. It was just a, a couple of meetings and they just did it. And I said, well, they said, I oh, will do this. And they just did it. I wanted to do some announcement, but there was nothing to do. Now, you're really well regarded as a, a, ma- a man of generosity and certainly an authentic leader. And I know that probably embarrasses you to say, but it's true. You know, you, uh, you really do give your time, especially today, and I thank you for that and so do our members. But um, take, tell us a little bit about your journey growing up in Geelong and, and how you've got into the hot seat here today. Oh, well, I've said it many times, but I, I grew up in Lara, so I'm a Lara born and bred guy, I'm still there, um, and went through you know primary school in Lara, went to school in Cryo, in Cryo North, um, which was, was Flinders Peak, and it's closed down now. Um, so I missed out in university, and then eventually had to find a job, was on Dole for a little bit, and then got a job at Avalon Airport, not the company that I'm the CEO of now, but um, a company over in the hangars called Asta. As a cleaner. So I started as a cleaner for a year, then I changed into another role and eventually became an apprentice. Uh, got an apprenticeship, which I was very fortunate. And then um, three years into the four year apprenticeship, that company closed down and I moved across to Avalon Airport, which I am, this is the company I'm looking after now, um, as, the, as an apprentice. When the company closed, I, um, yeah, I moved across here and then I was fortunate of Lindsay Fox bought place. So Lindsay bought it back in 1997, um, kept me on as an aircraft maintenance engineer. I wasn't a very good one. So I went and studied at the Gordon and then I went to Deakin. I did my Bachelor of Commerce. Then eventually I did my MBA at Deakin as well. And I moved from being an aircraft maintenance engineer to the supervisor down here. Then I moved up to Western Airport as a initially a supervisor, then I became a commercial manager and operations manager, then I moved here as CEO. That was back in 2008. So 2008, I became a CEO. In 1992, I was effectively unemployed, so it took 16 years. And I started, I was married in 1998, and 1999 is when I started studying. Um, So from... Basically, from nineteen nine, um, so nine years really from my first not not my aircraft maintenance engineer, but my diploma at the Gordon um, was nineteen ninety nine. So, and so, you know, I look back and it was you go wow, you know. But at the time, um, it was interesting. You know, I remember being at Deakin all Saturdays and Sundays, and I used to love my cricket and footy, but I had to give it all away to study. Um, you know, my wife and I had children in that time. She'd bring them down and see me. And it's a lot of sacrifices when I think about it, you know. And I think it was worth it. Um, certainly, I've got great relations with my kids now, but I missed out a lot too. They'd often ask where I am and stuff like that, and it was tough, but it paid off. And But I remember, you know, it wasn't that long ago I was be cutting the grass here, you know, because um, there'd be nothing to do and... And I'd be saying, no, where am I going? What am I going to do? And, um, so I think that's probably the thing I learned is to be a bit patient. You know, don't, you're not always going to get recognised for doing things. You know, you're going to do a job and, and people, you know, you think, oh, geez, they should have thanked me for doing that or I've done a good job there. Sometimes it just doesn't happen, you know. you just got to be patient, just keep working, be honest. And um, 
Yeah, but I, no doubt I've had some luck, you know, definitely. Good Lindsay Fox and the family taking over. They've been really looking after me and they're incredibly loyal to you if you are to them. And, um, yeah, so I've been there a long time now and, um, yeah, I really enjoy it. Fantastic. Now, you touched on a lot of success there and um, one question I like to ask people is what makes you most proud? And and outside of work and and outside of your family and your children, which are which are likely to be in there as well. But is there any little snippet of something that people might not really give you credit for, but you're really quite proud of? I think I like to think I'm proud of the work that we do in the community in terms of sponsorship. You know, I, I think we sponsor thirty or more clubs um, right around, but a lot in Geelong. So I'm proud of that. I'm proud of. Um, a couple of the groups that in particular I was, I was on that you know, are unpaid type stuff. So, you know, I obviously get paid to be CEO here. I get paid to be the chair of the Gordon. But you know, I've been on Northern Futures for a while. I don't do it anymore. But you know, the Grow and all those things that um, really small, small part. But I'm just proud of that. But I'm also proud that my company encourages it as well because it just it really is good for you. You know, it's from a like forgetting about what you're doing for them if anything it just is good for you to sort of get out of here and see a different angle to things see just meet different people who are good people there's some really good people out there you know i deal with some really good people do some really bad people right and so um you know, in business, that's what it's like. But just getting out there and seeing some really good people from, you know, DHS and all that. There's one lady, I won't mention her name, but I just, every time I see her, I just go, oh my God, this person's one of the best people I know, you know. And her job was um, removing children who, you know, had to be removed from homes to protect them. And you can just imagine how tough a job that was. But she just had a genuine empathy and one of the best people I've ever met, you know. Um, and there's some others as well um, that, you know, just give their time and their effort and they could be doing so much more. I mean, Christine Smith, you know, who was one of the runners-up in the Business Leader of the Year, you know. I actually wrote her a little email and um, I won't say what it said, but basically, essentially just saying, you know, you do a lot of work that is unpaid, you know, and that makes a really remarkable person and um yeah so there's a lot of people out there that do a lot of that i i like the most i like when people you know go out of the way to help people or to be polite or nice i, I reckon that's a really good thing so that's what makes me sort of proud i'm not sort of that guy though i don't really looks at it too much but i i just every now and then i just say wow that's a good person you know yeah um there's some people out there like and even in business in Geelong you know you've got some really good people I just rate I mean Elaine you know I just really think she's outstanding um and Elaine Carbons and um just a really good person and she's political and she's she knows her stuff and you know she's tough and all that but she is just a really really good person um Frank Costa's a really good person you know just uh you know, when I was going through so much hardship in terms of, you know, this this place here, he'd just say to me, Justin, he'd come up to me now, Justin, never, ever, 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 ever give up. That's what he'd say to me, like all the time. He was just a really good person. So I've got this um, network, it's called um, Team Avalon, where we have about half a dozen leaders from Geelong and I sit around and probably only meet once a year, maybe twice a year. 
and um, I brief them on what we're doing, you know, and get down to some of the real commercial, you know, confidence type stuff as well, some of my problems and just see how we resolve it and um, and just because I don't know everything and um, they're able to give me some different ideas and some really good people on that too. Um, Peter Dawling works for me now. Um, yeah, I bought him on basically because he was a good person, you know, um, didn't even really need that role at the time and um, he's just here and he's just a great guy. He can go away and do things for me and um, freeze up a lot of my times. Yeah, so I think that's probably what makes me proud. I know it's – and just reflecting on this because I've never really thought about it, but just having good people around, um, good staff that are really keen to make a difference and really passionate about the place. And and what is it that upsets you and disappoints you, uh, you know, as, as you're moving through life and, and what have you learned? Upsets is probably when people don't tell you the truth. Yeah, upsets when people wouldn't tell, don't necessarily tell the truth or just don't give you a straight answer. And sometimes I do that too, right? Um, you know, so I'm not saying I'm perfect or, but that's sometimes you know upsets you the most. But look, it doesn't happen a lot. You know, I just think of. A lot of it, so especially when you're dealing with international people, um, a lot of it's a cultural thing or language barrier thing, you know, um, like Chinese, for example, often say yes, 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 but they don't mean yes. They just mean yes, I understand. So it took me a while to learn all that. But upsets me would be that. Probably some of the political things have upset me over time. Um, Politically, we're very aligned and we do, you know, get great support. But just a couple of things over, t- you know, I can think of a couple of things that just upset me. And just th- when things don't, when things fail, you know, when things don't work out, which happens all the time, you know, you make mistakes and that upsets me as well. I don't really, I, I suppose stress is more of a thing than upset, you know, like, you know, really getting stressed and, you know, that that's people don't really understand just how stressful some things can get, you know, and it's all in your own head, right? And so, I remember I was in the middle of this Air Asia deal, and my wife and I went over to um, Hawaii just in the middle of it, like um, it was just before it was announced. Yeah, and I just remember, like, you know, the stress was enormous. But then I looked out, I was walking, okay, walked on the beach, said, no one here knows anything about it, you know, and so just put in perspective that. Yeah, this is not big, really. Like, not scheme of the world. It's just big for me because you know. So um, sometimes you just got to remember that. And, um, but yeah, I had to, stress was stress is hard. Stress is the one you've got to be able to learn to cope with, I reckon. And what would your top three tips to to coping with stress be? It, it's a really topical conversation because I think everyone at every level has to deal with stress daily and it's getting harder and harder. We're all online more often and, and more accountable. But what would your three tips for handling stress be? Well, I'd probably be more inclined to ask people for stress tips, I must say. But I would say uh, put it in perspective um, if you can. Like, yeah, and, and all right, I cannot always do this. But I actually – I was at a function actually before the election, federal election with Bill Sean. And they went around, everyone asked a question. And it was up in Essendon, so he wasn't there to talk about Avalon at all. And I, was, I asked him a question. And it was over – it was just after he'd announced something to do with the, um, the the tax credits. And he, you know, he mucked it up a bit and he um, – the pensions were all going to hurt. And so – and he had a real stressful week. And I said to him, how do you manage stress? 
And hopefully this is not too personal to say, but he said, well, sometimes you go home and have a drink. But then he asked me a question, do you get stressed? I said, absolutely, yeah, full on. And he said, why do you get stressed? Why, why do things stress you? And I said, oh, I don't know. And he said, well, it stresses you because you're the CEO of Avalon. It's a stressful job. He said, that's the same as me. He said, I know that people are going to attack me because I'm just a labour guy and that's what liberals do, you know. So he said, so I don't stress about that, you know. He said, I only stress when I muck up. And he said, and that happens a bit. And he said, and if you've mucked up, yes, okay, you stress over that. He said, but don't just believe in something and someone criticises you. Don't stress about it. And I think that was a really good lesson for me. Um, before the Erasure launch, um, oh, I had this enormous issue. Well, I thought it was an issue. When I look back at it now, it was nothing. But it was just at the time and it nearly like fed income. I just couldn't sleep at all. I was sleeping one or two hours a night, you know. I'd go, I was living in Lara and walk up to the Yangs at – you know, three in the morning. My wife would never know. I'd just go and just to try and clear my head, you know, and I'd be like, I just can't believe it. And I was thinking, my gosh, everyone's looking to me to deliver this project. And here I am walking at the Yangs at three in the morning, not contemplating anything bad, mm. just trying to get it out of my head and get away from it. And then, but later on, I reflected, I thought, well, everything I did was right. You know, not it's mistakes, of course, but generally on this topic, everything was right. I did the right thing by the company by Eurasia and by you know, by everyone really why should I be so stressed you know just cop it you know if it if, if it marks up what's the worst that can happen anyway so that's a, it was a good learning for me so I've got better at it but stress is hard you know and sometimes you just forget to manage it well and sometimes you know if you look to be honest I remember one night I was really stressed too I went out and had a few drinks and it's great, knocked me out, woke up at two in the morning, stressed again. So that doesn't work, you know. It might help you get to sleep for a bit, but alcohol doesn't work. Hmm. And certainly um, as a Carlton supporter, following the footy hasn't relieved any of that stress over the last 20 years. Well, actually, <laughs> that's not right because um, when Carlton was good, you stress a lot more because you actually got an expectation to win. And so that's what, like, honestly, I look at my wife and my oldest son, who's Geelong, and they're stressing. They're at the, at the prelim, you know, my gosh, that was stressing like they wouldn't believe. I'm as cool as a cucumber. And I go to Carlton Games now. If we win, it's a bonus. Um, so, no, I reckon it's a very stressless thing, American for a side, which has just got, uh, you know, very little hope. <laughs> Although, I. I- um, as you know, I'm a Carlton supporter too, and we couldn't get through the interview without touching on it a little bit. But um, we've certainly got every reason to be up and about a little bit for next year. Uh, there's the green shoots are starting to come up, and and um, how are you feeling about the next three years at Carlton? Oh, look, I'm very positive about it. Um, yesterday, when I was at the UFC, I actually sat next to Patrick Cripps, believe it or not, and um, and I didn't talk to him, but but he, you know, he's just a, a great footballer. You know, he's probably one of the best in the league. Well, he would be. And um, so let me just clear this up. You, you were in a crowd of fifty thousand people yesterday, and you sat next to Patrick Cripps, the Carlton captain, and didn't say a word to him. Well, it was a bit of a yeah. So I was actually in the corporate box, and there was a glass wall in between us. But he did sit right next to me in the next corporate box, and I was in mine, so I couldn't talk to him. But. Um, but he, yeah, but I, and I was with my two boys and uh, one's Carlton, mad Carlton. Matt loves Crips, you know. In fact, we were joking, how would Crips go, you know, in an MMA fight, you know. Not very well, I don't think. But, um, 
But look, him, you know, he's obviously a very, very good player and they've got some good players around him. And now they're starting to get become a bit more of a destination club, which I like. You know, there's people, players that want to come there. And it's amazing how, you know, I, I really started to think it wouldn't turn. But Geelong was the same. Years ago, players were leaving. No one wanted to come. And they've just turned it around. And it's on the back of culture mm. and values, really. I mean, that's what Frank brought to the club. And now just people want to go there because it's got such a good culture and and you know, Torquay's a really you know, favourable place to live for them, and um, and just hopefully we can sort of emulate that a little bit and just get some more people there. Um, I'm happy with the coaching change, so I'm happy if we can get Eddie Betts back too. Um, just from a not necessarily he's going to be a star, but just to right a wrong, and um, and just it'd be just good for the club to sort of do that sort of thing. Um, you know, we're not going to pay much and. Won't cost much to do it, and uh, he mightn't play every game, but just I think that's a, a good story. So, yeah, I'm, I'm reasonably optimistic. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't expect us to make the finals next year, but perhaps we could. Mm. Very good. Well, Justin, thanks for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you as our inaugural podcast of the chamber, and um, and certainly a pleasure to hear about your journey and what Avalon's got going on, and how the chamber members can take advantage of that. I'm happy to leave it there, but have a great afternoon. And to all our members out there, I hope you enjoyed our first podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for joining us on Thriving Geelong, People with Purpose. Let us know what you took away from this episode. And to find out more about the Chamber of Commerce, head to geelongchamber.com.au.